when you started getting guys like Kurt Angle, Christian Cage, I mean, these other guys in, you know, and they kind of pushed him down. But overall, I mean, it's like, okay, can you really blame them? Because these guys were more diverse. They were more of draws. They were more proven. They had, you know, they just had everything Monty didn't. And, you know, Monty, Monty wasn't as consistent. You know, I mean, like I said, just he could... You could have a good match with somebody, and the other one just kind of came off almost like a, I don't want to say a botch fest, but it was just like you just saw the guy was just too green. Well, no no doubt about it. Monty Brown was not the most polished wrestler, I think. That's pretty well documented. And he did not have the same drawing capabilities as, as Christian Cage, like you mentioned. Or Kurt Angle, for sure. I mean, Kurt Angle was a legitimate draw when he came over from WWE. Even with all the problems he was having personally, he never stopped being a draw. Um, but, like, I don't know. Did we really need to see Abyss with the world title? He Abyss was never a draw for me, and I've seen him botch plenty of moves. And, you know, and I don't know if that's a thank you for all the years that he was working with Impact. I don't know. Um, we, we saw Scott Steiner challenging for the belt. Uh, Samoa Joe really didn't get his run until after Monty Brown was already gone. Um, AJ, of course, was AJ. He should have been in the middle of that title hunt. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, of course, was Jeff Jarrett. He should be in the middle of that title hunt. But when you had, you know, Raven coming back, and uh, I don't know, it just, it, it, I think there was an opportunity that we could have shoehorned Monty Brown into that world title picture at least you know for me personally I thought he could have uh, had at least a decent run as NWA world champion well a lot of the I mean we can go into we're gonna you're gonna run out of battery <laughs> if we keep going into all the missed opportunities total non-stop global force impact wrestling <laughs> has had okay we're gonna you're gonna run out of juice um, uh, like I said, Monty Brown, I mean, if it was a, if they, if it was still the Asylum years, or, yeah, that's what they called that book, right? The Asylum? Yeah. If it was still the Asylum era, and that went longer, and they didn't, you know, the opportunity didn't happen yet for a lot of these you know, bigger names to jump, then yeah, I think Monty would have got it, and you know, it would have been like, okay, you know, just the way the company was at the time, it would have been like, okay, that's understandable, you know, but then just the way that landscape changed, and the new talents that come in, and they were just more polished, more experienced, and everything like that, and it's just, again, people I personally would pay to see, you know, the, the landscape changed, and like, you know, it was what it was, plus the booking of Monty Brown didn't really help matters. I remember it was it was one pay-per-view. I remember they did this angle where like Monty Brown like was he was fighting some guy that was like some like mystic dude or something like that. I mean 
I'm trying to remember that. I, I, can't. I, 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 I can't remember the guy's name. I just remember it was like some like mystical guy or whatever. And Monty had a match with him, but then the match was kind of crap. And then it was just an angle, like, you know, to continue the feud on. And this happened on like one of their, like their early paper, early monthly papers. But then later that night, and yeah, like I said, later that night, this guy goes ahead and, um, I'm trying to remember, but I think the angle was like at the end of the match, like Monty, I think, was supposed to pounce him or something. <laughs> but then, like, the, I don't know if the lights went out or something. I just remember seeing this guy, like, on the walk on the ramp and, like, walked away or something like that. So it's it like, okay, the angle was open to continue. Later on that night, Jeff Jarrett had a, had a match, and Monty Brown came out, and Monty at the time was chasing the NWA title. Jared was the champion, but then he comes out and he helps Jared win and does a heel turn and, you know, now is aligned with Jared, and I'm like, this makes no damn sense. That was a lot of uh, impact. Yeah, and then, you know, he's aligned with Jared, but then once again, he goes back to trying to chase the title against Jared, and I'm, it was just one of those heel turns that just, like, completely, like, killed his momentum. And you're just like, wait a minute. What happened earlier with this one guy that didn't finish, this angle that didn't finish with this guy, and then you throw him into another angle that, again, makes no sense, and he's just like, now he's a heel, and then now he's, I don't know, a tweener. He keeps interrupt, busting up Jeff Jarrett's interviews every other, like, pay-per-view or something, and I don't know. Just the, the way he booked was not helping yeah. any bit, but... Then again, how many times can we say that? And as far as what you said earlier with Abyss, I I assume, you know, that was kind of a, you know, it was supposed to be short-term, like, okay, you know, thank you for your services. Here's a short-term, you know, title reign or whatever. I just remember that they gave him the belt on a disqualification and... It was a rule. It was a rule that I thought was interesting. Like when they, when I first heard about it, because I did not start watching DNA until the Fox Sports West era. Because I, I told you, the way I am, if you do not have a TV show for that have I can have access to for me to follow week to week, I'm not watching it. And this was the time before I would, you know, this was before apps. This was before, you know, streaming and YouTube, stuff like YouTube that. YouTube was still in its infancy. That's what people forget. YouTube hasn't been around, but maybe like, I don't know, 10 years? Yeah, so... 11 years? You know, this was before... And you had to go out of your way. Right. You know, I wasn't willing to go out of my way. <laughs> and I sure as heck wasn't going to pay, what was it, like 10 bucks a month just to watch like... Two hours when I'm like, okay, the other companies offer me like three to four hours free. Free. You know, I ordered the first one and thought, wow, that was okay. I don't think I need to order the second one. And I think I ordered another one down the road when Frankie Kazarian was set to debut because he was a SoCal guy and I'm a SoCal guy. And, they, you know, at that point, I think Christopher Daniels was already working there. And it's like, wow, you got, 
you know, just the fallen angel. You got Frankie Kazarian, and now they're all teaming up together with Scorpio Sai and SoCal Uncensored. Love the name. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I really didn't follow it as closely until they started running on Fox Sports because then we could actually watch it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, but I remember they made this rule like, okay, you could lose the title of disqualification, and I'm like, all right, well, that's a nice little. I'm willing to try that out because, okay, the heels, you're not gonna get BS, you know, heel DQ finishes all the time. I mean, the heel has to find a way to win. Right. But then they hadn't done it in so long, you forgot about that rule, and then I just remember. Like Abyss winning it on a DQ, and I'm just, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. But I don't know. Hey, you know, and that that's kind of interesting booking, too, because as a fan that grew up with the Horsemen, and something that we saw in and out every pay-per-view was Ric Flair always getting saved by Arn and Tolly or, or Sid and Barry or whoever the combination of the Horsemen was. He always had an out. So I guess that's really interesting booking from from Impact back in the day to make it such that you couldn't have a stable savior. You literally had to win or lose in the ring. Or you had to come up with a creative way to cheat. Yes, Eddie Guerrero, right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had to have the creative way to cheat and not get caught so you don't get DQ. I mean, it, it challenged you. But like I said, just... Yeah, it wasn't utilized in so long, you forgot about it, and then just the way it happened was just kind of like, If I was in the writer room for that show, I think I would have pitched the idea where somebody's enemy just helped them win every match. I'm going to come out and kick your ass on every show. Oh, here, you win a match. Here, you win a match. Now you're the X Division champion because this guy keeps kicking your ass every week. So, I don't know, uh, how excited are you for our New Japan show coming here to Long Beach to see Jushin Thunder Liger again? Second time that you and I have seen Liger in the ring here in Long Beach to take on uh, San Diego's own Rey Mysterio. I'm very, I'm very interested in that because, to my knowledge, I think they... They only fought once before, but that was what, like twenty years ago? I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was like Starcade ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-six. Yeah, it was ninety-six, and that's twenty years ago. And shoot, Liger's like the damn fountain of youth. Well, and Mysterio, I mean, hell, you saw him at the Rumble. I'm like, is that the same guy? I mean, he, he bulked up, but seemed like a bit. Yeah, well, he's he slimmed down, bulked up, and. You know, looked great. You know, I saw him last year at the Lake Paris Fairgrounds as part of the uh, Wrestle Tour. It was a show put on by Knox Pro, which is basically Rikishi and the Samoan Dynasty, the Black Pearl. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they put on this show, and Mysterio was set to headline, and he got stuck in Mexico. I guess he missed a flight or the flight got canceled. I don't know exactly what happened, but instead of getting a direct flight from where he was to San Diego, he had to take 
two or three different flights to get to San Diego, then to drive up to Paris. Now, for anyone who's listening to this and not familiar with Southern California, Paris, Lake Paris, and San Diego, it's about a three-hour drive, maybe a two-and-a-half-hour if you're really flooring it. And he was supposed to be on like around 4 o'clock, 4.30, maybe 5. Dude doesn't get there until like almost 7.30 at night. They have this show at 8 o'clock. I've been here. I was at the show from like 12 o'clock going on. And either the wrestling was okay. I mean, some of it was bad. Some of it was good. Um, but, you know, everyone was there to see Mysterio and Rikishi. The fans went crazy for Rikishi. I forgot how much, you know, it he actually has. And when you see the crowd just eat that stuff up. But then you get Mysterio who finally gets there, and it's like approaching 9 o'clock before he actually gets out in the ring. And the match wasn't anything spectacular, but Mysterio hits all of his spots. You know, It was like a tribute match. It was like you paid to see what Mysterio did in WWE. Well, here it is. He hit everything. He hit the 619. He, you know, he, it was Rey Mysterio. But that's not the same Rey Mysterio I think you're going to get in a match with Jushin freaking Thunder Liger. I just don't see him, okay, let's do the spots that made me famous. No, he's going to put his working boots on because it is Jushin Liger. He's a legend. That's true. And honestly, I don't, I don't watch, like, I mean, we already, you already know my story, okay? I'm, in between working full-time, taking care of my son, being a husband, and also trying to keep myself in shape, amongst other things. I mean, I got a full plate load, right. and I'm not somebody that, you know, wants to watch wrestling all the time in my spare time. I mean, I got other regular TV shows I like to watch, too, or whatever. I don't have the time to keep up or watch you know, like New Japan, especially, I don't have access TV. Right. So, and I'm not paying the $10 for, you know, their network that I know I'm not going to have the time to right. watch everything right. on. So I catch it when I can catch it. You know, like I told you, it took me like four or five sessions just to watch all of Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it happened to be on a holiday weekend. But um, one thing I do know is that, you know, with New Japan, I mean, you can't go out there and lay an egg, and you can't go out there and just do a retro trip. No. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, a quality match. And, I mean, as a point of reference, I mean, we saw Billy Gunn who, I'm going to tell you, like, I don't think he deserved half the criticism he got when they did the last New Japan USA show. He looked pretty good. And, I mean, it was, uh, he wasn't Billy Gunn from his last run in the WWE, but, you know, he isn't a, he isn't a young dude anymore. And he went out there, and, and to me, I think he put on a pretty good show. And, uh, I mean, as a, as a point of reference... Rey Mysterio isn't going to come out there and, like you said, lay an egg. He's not going to do a, a, you know, a tribute show. He, he needs to be out there to work because that's what the New Japan audience demands. And, uh, you know, that the, uh, the pyramid in Long Beach sold out, sold out before they even announced a single match. 
Now, some of us are expecting, like, you know, uh, a Jericho versus uh, Naito or, uh, you know. I was expecting the, well, not to get off subject a little bit, but the whole Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes thing is right. more of a New Japan angle than a Ring of Honor angle. Right. Ring so Honor. I was expecting that match at either this show or if they can just stall it long enough, I was expecting it at their all-in show. Yeah. But instead, they're doing that WrestleMania weekend at Ring of Honor, so that's what kind of threw me off. I was like, wow, I was expecting it, you know, here. But, you know, I guess WrestleMania weekend, you, you know, it's the biggest audience, you know, you could get for it at, you know, at the time. So... There you go. And like I said, I had to check the date because I kept, you know, you said the 24th and it's on, I'm thinking it's the 29th. So I checked Jericho's um, Fozzy tour dates and it's on the 29th. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't expect him here. But, but, you know, like I said, you can't go in there and especially for a show this big for who you're working with. You can't throw on like a, a retro. If this was like a six-man tag or something like that, then I would expect, you know, okay, Ray can go in and do, you know, his little, ret- you know, the retro act. Right. You know, like the, when they, like when WWE brings back stars from the past and put them in a match, you know, you just want to see them do their classic stuff. If this was like a six-man match or like Ray's in like an opening match or something like that, no, but him and Liger... And that's really like I think the only match they've announced so far for yeah, this. Yeah, and, and they haven't indicated if that's a main event or what. I mean, you know, yeah, I I expect, um, like I said, I expect a quality quality encounter. And, and the thing about it too is, I mean, they didn't just announce it online like, oh, hey, we're going to throw these two guys in there. They literally, much like the Omega and Jericho, Jericho they, yep. they they played a video while Liger was in the ring. So I mean, that I, obviously New Japan. Is putting something into it, and who knows? Maybe this is a one-off. Maybe that's it. Maybe down the road we see a Mysterio challenge for not for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. But I, I don't know. To me, look, I'm all about good wrestling. Um, like you said, I don't have enough hours in the day to watch as much wrestling as I'd like to. But if we could get a Jericho, excuse me, if we could get a Jushin Liger versus Rey Mysterio match. I'm all in already. You know, our tickets were already paid for before they announced that match, and I'm so happy we did get tickets because, to me, that's right there. That that sold me a ticket right there. I would have bought a ticket based on that match alone. Which again, not to you know, not to beat a dead horse, but this goes back to the TNA conversation we had earlier, where it's like, okay, I hear a name. And I'll buy a ticket to see it. Right. This is a case where, you know, based off the situation and everything, I heard about that name or heard about that match. I would have bought a ticket. So if we didn't already. So who's out there right now uh, that could, let's say, if uh, a local indie is putting on a show, if they put that guy on the card, you're like, yeah, I'm an indie guy. You know, not someone that's not in WWE or Ring of Honor. Or, I mean. Someone who's not like exclusive to Ring of Honor. Is there anyone out there right now? You're like, damn, if he's on a card, I'm gonna go see that. Uh, well, 
again, this is just from me because, as you know, hey, I'm a full-time parent now as opposed to, you know, years ago when I was a part-time parent, right. you know, where I was only a dad on the weekends or whatever. Right. And now I'm a husband. So keeping all that in mind and everything like that, I don't pay attention as much to the independent scene as I used to. Hence why I'm not in a big hurry or, you know, to buy tickets to PWG when they go on sale because most of the people who I paid attention to at the time are not there anymore. Right. Or no disrespect to the young bucks, but I saw them every show from like, <laughs> you know, the two, three years I was a regular. So it's right. like, okay, I've got, you know, like I said, no disrespect to them, but it's kind of like, okay, I've seen it already enough times to where I can move on. Right. And there's real... Like I said, it's it's difficult. Like for me, it would have to be like we're going to Hollywood right now, and what sold me on going today. No disrespect again to the guys that are there, but Nick Aldis, Mag champion. yeah, Magnus, you know, and I I've liked Magnus since um, 2009 with the British Invasion. And then seeing him mature into, you know, the single star and everything. And he's a name that, at least, you know, with my limited knowledge, because like I said, I didn't, I'm not the type of guy, I never was the type of guy that I had to feel like I had to go to every single indie show or like look up or anything. I'm like, hey, well, I just looked for what was, you know, put out there that I was available to me. And he's not a name that I was able to see on a regular basis. I only got to see him when, you know, TNA threw a show out here. Right. Which we all know wasn't that often. No, they did like a total of three of them, and the two of them were in San Diego. Um, was in Irvine. Yeah, the Bound for Glory in 2009, the Bound for Glory in, what was it, 2013? Short time after Hogan, 2013, 2014. And um, I can't remember if he was, I don't think he was at the house show that I went to in 08, but anyways, so, you know, he's somebody that I did not have the opportunity to see often, so throw his name on the card and somebody I've known for a while, and I'm like, yeah, I'll go see him. He's, he's a name and he's somebody I know that will give me a satisfying good wrestling match. What about Jack Swagger when he was out here in Hollywood? Less inclined? Yeah. Or more no. I've I was a fan, especially like in like, you know, our little clique of friends or whatever. I was a fan of Jack Swagger from the moment I saw him in WWE back on the ECW brand. Yeah. I really liked the guy. I I thought he was going to be the next Brock Lesnar. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I thought that. I wouldn't go them. that far um, as far as Brock goes, but I thought I was like, okay, I see it. This guy 
I don't know what it was. I, I mean, it's that it factor. You know, you can't really describe it. But the guy hooked me. I really liked him. I still remember to this day um, on one of the one of those draft episodes of Raw where he and John Cena had a match and it it kind of at times it was like he looked like he punked Cena out with yeah. some of the stuff he was doing. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and I just I've always liked the guy. I always thought he at times he was underutilized. Um, I thought he I was happy as hell when he won the money in the bank. I was happy as hell when he became world champion, but unfortunately he had <laughs> one of the crappiest world title <laughs> reigns. It's so forgettable. I yeah, I, it, I don't even re really recall. Like I remember him holding the ECW world world title quote unquote. Um, but just him as the heavyweight champion that was on SmackDown, right? Yeah, and he had this he had this um, really, really good triple threat match with um, Edge and Jericho you know, after he got involved in their little feud to win the thing, but then it was just just one of those cases where it's like they just had him get beat all the damn time and you know, we know it's predetermined and all this other stuff, but at the same time we're watching a, you know, we're watching entertainment, we're watching a movie, we're watching a TV show, and if one of our favorites or somebody, you know, like it's supposed to be, what kind of good television show would it be if the villain is always getting beat, always getting undermined? Right. I mean, there's, you don't really have much to like invest in. Or really, you know, even get behind the hero right. if the villain is not, you know, if it's hard, to, it's hard for me to explain. Well, I, I get you. Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson never get over in Memphis if they don't get their asses handed to them and then come back as baby faces in peril. You know, there's always got to be that. Okay, there's got to be that struggle. We got to lose. We gotta, we gotta look weak, but at the end, come back and somehow manage to get a win. I mean, you can't do like. You just can't. That that that's basic wrestling. Booking. That that's basic. I mean, that's, that's basic, basic storytelling. Yeah, of anything, comic books or whatever. I mean, the villain is only as good as the hero, or vice versa. Right. Uh, you know, and just with Swagger, it was just kind of like the guy. You know, the guy can go. He's uh, he's proven himself. I mean, especially with the way SmackDown was at that time. Because a lot of people don't remember this. I don't know why I remember these type of details. But I just remember during that time that SmackDown was in the lame duck position because they took all they took a lot of the main superstars like Edge and Jericho. They took them off that show yeah. and put them on Raw because SmackDown at the time, you know, they loaded the roster up for um, my network TV when they were leaving... CW or UPN, whatever the heck yeah, it was. Yeah, UPN, UPN, UPN merged and made became CW, but they left yeah. SmackDown on My Network TV. Yeah, whatever the deal was. So then My Network TV that failed after a year. So they were going to jump off the next year, and then the show was already the My Network TV stations were already you know getting canceled or whatever. So until they were able to get their new deal. 
Um, I think it was USA. I'm not sci-fi. Oh, that was the sci-fi deal. Yeah, I think so. And so it was kind of like in a lame duck position for the spring and the summer. So they went ahead and yanked all the top talent off, and that's when they went ahead and put um, Swagger, you know, as the world champion. But I'm like, you could have did more. I mean, I remember this was during the time when I was on like the internet message boards and stuff like that. Right. And we actually, um, one thread we had a debate because remember around the same time, just a couple months earlier, Sheamus was the champion. Yeah. So we kind of had a, a little debate going on like, like, okay, who was the better champion, Swagger or Sheamus? And it's like, okay, well, it's kind of hard because Swag, it's kind of even because Swagger was the world champion facing, you know, the quote unquote top guys like Big Show and Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton. But for the most part, he kept getting his ass kicked and and losing, you know, non-title matches. And but at the same time, Sheamus was the champion, but he kept beating mid-card guys. Right. You know, he did. He wasn't able to really have any decisive win over a main eventer. And I guess that's a tell of tell of two bookings right there, right? Because yeah, one was Raw, one was SmackDown, so it's like kind of like I was like, well, it's kind of a draw, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clearly, because if you if your champion doesn't beat anybody, then how good is your champion? Yeah. So, but that was yeah, Jack Swagger is a name that if I saw him on the marquee, and again. I would, I would, you know, go see him. And not to get off subject, but I'm interested in his Bellator career. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm going to be interested in that because it's funny how, like, the minute, like, there was the immediate comparisons to CM Punk, right. you know, and I'm just like, the comparisons need to be with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, right. not CM Punk, because Swagger has that amateur wrestling background, you know, standout. Wasn't he an NCAA champion? I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. Um, he had I don't remember the exact details, but I do remember like I mean they hyped that they hyped that up. Yeah. I mean, he does have legitimate amateur wrestling credentials, just like Lashley had legitimate amateur wrestling credentials. Right. Just like, I mean, Brock Lesnar. I don't even need to, you know, I don't even need to mention his credentials. Right. We hear Paul Heyman say it every time he has a mic. <laughs> but um, yeah, as opposed to like CM Punk, who really had nothing and was starting from scratch. I mean, he was and kind of was. I don't want to say rushed into it, but it. <laughs> That was the case. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, CM Punk. Okay, someone who wrestled in high school, all right, like, and I'm not saying I'm some sort of gifted athlete, but wrestling and and doing that kind of a sport is so much more different than what you're doing in professional wrestling. Now, I've never professionally wrestled, but I do know that there's a, a huge difference, and the skills that you have in amateur wrestling are translatable to MMA. It's not just it's not just throwing guys. It's also like how to position your feet, how to Technique stay off your and feet. I mean, I'm personally right now. I mean, I'm taking you know, I'm working out. You know, the dojo I work out 
I work out in. Yeah. You know, I'm personally taking, you know, father, son, we're taking um, class, you know, classes and karate classes, you know, almost like MMA technique. And I did some, you know, amateur wrestling. I didn't do all four years, but I did some amateur wrestling in high school. Yeah. Which... At times when we're drilling and rolling and whatnot, I break out a move that even I forgot I knew how to do, <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in, in high school. So it's, but it's completely different than these other guys that I'm rolling with who have years upon years upon years right. of experience. You know, it's more than just, yeah, it's more than just that. It's very, very Yeah, I'm just having a hard time with words today. That's all right. But you, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I follow you. It, it's a different world, and I think CM Punk, for as good as he was in professional wrestling, and I know he he trained in some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, it was evident in his wrestling. But you go back and you listen to shoot interviews with Joe and and Punk, and they would talk about their training methods and stuff like that. You know that Punk isn't just pardon the expression. He's not a punk. He, he's got some training, but it's a different world. It, it really is. But I'm um, going back to the original topic at hand. Guys who would instantly sell you a ticket. One one such guy was Sabu for me. Locally out here, AWS booked. Uh, you know, former WWE 205 Live Cruiserweight Champion TJ Perkins against Sabu. And I thought, well, this is a weird clusterfuck of a match because you've got T.J. Perkins, who is a very, very um, well-rounded wrestler, has a lot of great mat wrestling. You might even say a mat technician. And then you've got Sabu, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal maniac who is uh, more inclined to put you through a table than put you in a wrist lock. And uh, it was such a, a weird pairing in the ring but it was fun it was a lot of fun and, and tj's picking up a chair and they're going back and forth having a chair uh chair duel and that was a fun match and i thought man i i love watching sabu wrestle uh, from his days in ecw and i know he's getting older and he can't do everything he used to do but man it was a oh hell yeah that, those years are taking stall. oh for sure and the thing that yeah sabu well, keep in mind my story, because again, I'm, I, the only shows that I would go to, starting like around 2000, 2011, um, yeah, 2010, 2011, was when Dave relaunched um, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, right. and... Did you go to his original tapings at the Columbia Square Studios, or no? No, I started um, this run... Um, through Anna. a fr- yeah through Santa Anna, um, at Santa Ana through a mutual friend of ours yeah who invited like hey free wrestling and I'm like okay um, back then it wasn't free you had to pay for the food well <laughs> hell I mean I didn't mind it <laughs> and so that's when I that was really what introduced me to independent wrestling because again I never went out of my way to look for it or search for it right so. I did that for a year, and then through like mutual friends, you know, those like okay, PWG, and then like oh well, some I recognize the Ring of Honor guys, 
and you know some ex WWE guys and whatnot. So yeah. I'm like, and some TNA guys. I'm like, yeah. okay. So then I go there, and then again, just to mutual connections and you know mutual people you work with, you find out about all these other, you know, um, I almost said territories. <laughs> Close. <laughs> yeah, these um, indie promotions and whatnot. So you know, I would go more more often, frequent more often, see the guys more often, et cetera, et cetera. So I never, despite the fact that Sabu did perform out here, you know, often. When I finally, I, I forgot who we wrestled, but it was at one of the AWS shows. B Boy. I, I know I did see him with B Boy. Wasn't that the match he had the flu? So yeah, that went real short. Maybe he ended up tapping. They were like, yeah. "What the fuck?" Yeah, it was the time he showed up before that. I forgot who he wrestled. That was TJ. That was TJ before that. I think he's only been out here twice. With well, with AWS, he's only been out here twice. Well, then I guess it was TJ. And, you know, yeah, I went out of my way because I'm like, okay, cool, Sabu. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, Sabu at the time because, again, I seen, I knew him for years and years and years. But I just never had the opportunity to see him. And, yeah, he was – I went out of my way to see him, but it's – one of those things now where Sabu would Sabu would be like the way AWS uses it now, where it's like I would use him as the, like the special attraction. Yeah. Or yeah. but I wouldn't go out of my way, especially knowing like okay, he's breaking down, and yeah. you know it's I wouldn't go out of my way to see him on as regular of a base. And as much as I like Sabu, like uh, I, I kind of agree with you, he would. He won't sell me a ticket today in 2018. He did in 2015 or 2014, whatever it was, when he wrestled TJ. But today, I, I just I don't have the interest I did. There's other guys I'd rather go see. Um, you know, uh, AWS uses uh, uh, Jeff Cobb, and he's been here in Hollywood, and he's been at a, a few other, you know, he's a regular. Yeah, I saw, I was able to catch Jeff, um, like, at one of the last... I think it was at one of the last PWG shows. It was either the last PWG show I saw live or one of the ones. After I stopped going live, I still tried to, like, you know, keep up with it through, like, you know, watching their events and whatnot. Yeah. But eventually after a while, like I said, you just don't see anybody you recognize much anymore. And just with the, the way my life is, I just did not have the time to keep up with it. But, yeah, Jeff Cobb is somebody that you know, has impressed me and is somebody that if I, if I had the opportunity and it just worked out well for me and I see like Jeff Cobb, I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily say I would pay my ticket just to see him. Gotcha. But him, his name on the show would make me more inclined. Yeah. It would make me look and be like, okay, what's going on with the show? What else you got? Uh, Yeah. Jeff Cobb, like I, I saw him wrestle Josh Barnett at AWS Q Pro. It was like a joint show. Yeah, I wanted to go to that one, but you know, I wasn't able to because this was back when. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't able to go. Just that my schedule just did not work out. Barnett, Barnett's a tricky story because 
he's a legitimate badass. Like he, you know, you know, if things get rough in the ring, he can legitimately handle himself. But I know um, the people that I I work out with. I mean, they've watched him. You know, they watched him fight, and a couple of them actually like have like rolled around on the mat. You know, with him like once or twice. And, so. uh, he seems like a really good. Like he he kind of lives the gimmick. When you look at him, he's legit. And I, I guess uh, he even got scared one of our local uh, wrestling fans out here. Guy was asking for an interview or something. And, oh, I heard that story. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it because uh, you know. But uh, <laughs> Barnett's a bad dude. Pardon the expression, Tito, but he's a bad dude. And uh, you know, watching him in the ring with Cobb, you kind of appreciate how much a professional Cobb is. And again, Josh Barnett, I'm not, I'm not putting him down in any way, but he's not a pro wrestler. He's an MMA fighter who pro wrestles. You know, it's kind of like Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock was a MMA fighter who wrestled. Dan Severn was a MMA fighter who wrestled. Uh, there are very rare occasions where you got a, a, a wrestler first that also did MMA fighting. And uh, Cobb put on a, what I thought was a heck of a match with Barnett. And that match sold me on Jeff Cobb. Like I heard lots of things, good, good positive things about him before, but that match legitimately said, okay, when he's when I can make that show, because I can't make Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I live in Reno Valley. That's like a four-hour drive to Reseda during the middle of the day. You know, when you have to get there like at four o'clock for a show that's not going to start till nine. I got too many commitments to do that. But uh, and just no disrespect to PWG, but also just I'm not willing to go through the hassle <laughs> that you got to go through to get the dang ticket. I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit there on my computer and like mark the date down and the time down. you know you got to put the timer on the, right yeah you, you got to put the timer on your phone to go off to make right. sure you keep hitting the refresh page you know to make sure like you got your tickets or whatnot and i'm like i'm not going through this hassle i'm sorry right and, you know if my friend is happy if a friend of mine happens to get do if you know happens to get them and happens to like okay somebody dropped out you got a spare ticket then, then you know maybe but I'm not willing to go through that hassle. I mean, hey, all power to them that, you know, they got that popularity. You know, they got, they're doing their business. You know, all, all you know, all respect to them in the world. You can, that old saying, you can hate the man, but you can't hate his hustle. I can't hate their hustle. Well, and the thing about Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and this is going to sound, I'm not trying to sound condescending at all, but they don't need me as a man. They don't. They have... They sell out that uh, venue uh, all the time. We want to call it arena, but it's not. They sell out that venue, you know, without even announcing matches. And I have a friend who's close with one of the guys that runs PWG. And the, the simple answer is, look, they run shows that in their mind is the best wrestling in the world. And that's their goal. That's all they care about. And if they don't sell out that show, they don't care. And if they don't sell all the DVDs, they don't care. They're only obsessed with putting on the best wrestling in the world. And it's hard to argue that it's not because all of their guys seem to go on to bigger and better things, whether it be WWE or New Japan, or working both New Japan and, 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 and uh, PWG and Ring of Honor. And they have, they have the perfect format 
for them to do that because they're they're not streaming live pay-per-view no. or anything like that. So it doesn't contradict a contract right. with Ring of Honor or Evolve or all these other right. you know brand name independent wrestling companies. They're able to get them all together as one and put on you know dream scenarios or dream matches that pleases the crowd that they're appealing to. I mean, for example, the that big controversial match that happened between what was it, Ricochet and Osprey? Yeah. That everybody, including Vader, you know, was commenting on. Chimed in on. Yeah. yeah. They were able to pull, you know, get those two in for a rematch. You know, despite that, you know, despite the fact that their work they're under different companies. Right. They were able, just because of the way their structure is, to get that as a rematch. Right. So, you know, like I said, all power to them and whatnot. I can, I don't, uh, I don't want to say I don't agree. It's just I wish with them things were different at times. Sure. You know, I liked the original format that they did where our SoCal guys. Yeah were mixed in with these guys. Yeah. Well, but hey, you know, it's one of those things. It ain't business. It's business. It's not personal. I don't see, you know, do you see WWE running WrestleMania 30 in Madison Square Garden like they did 20 and 10? No, they outgrew it. Okay, the demand outgrew um, the format. Okay, you will not see WrestleMania in an arena for a very, very long time, if ever. Right. Because it has outgrown that stage. PWG took their product in a direction which some people may agree or may disagree. You know, that's that's opinion. That's opinion-wise. It's not fact-wise. Yeah. But they took it in a, in a different direction where, you know... They were able to expand their audience and cater to, you know, the goals that the company wanted to achieve. Right. I can disagree with it. I don't have to like it. But, hey, it's working out for their benefit. I respect it. Well, and, and none of this podcast is sponsored by SoCal Uncensored or anything like that. But since Pro Wrestling Gorilla has been in existence since, I believe, 2003... Every single year, except for 2015, they've won wrestling, uh, promotion of the year. And then one year that they didn't, it went to Lucha Underground, which I used to run the site back then, and I forgot that Lucha Underground even won that award. <laughs> and I guess what it comes down to is like, you know, Lucha Underground was a novelty, it was hot at the time, and a lot of people were into it. But the longevity of Pro Wrestling Gorilla from 2003, basically since its inception till now, that's all it does is just put on the best damn wrestling, whether you know whether you like it or I like it. Like personally, Scorpio Sky should be headlining every event there, but he doesn't. Personally, uh, there's a few talents I'd like to see make their way there, but you know, then there's all kinds of stuff going on in SoCal where you've got wrestlers under contract to one promotion. They can't work. They can't work pro wrestling gorilla because they're working exclusively with one promotion in town, and, and you know. Certain talents have to go up north to wrestle or out to Vegas to wrestle because they can't wrestle, uh, you know, at AWS or 
you know, again, again, um, we are not sponsored by any of these promotions or any of these promoters. But if you want to send me money, I will not deny it. Yeah, make checks payable to Daryl Peak, Kira. Uh, we'll get it. And don't give out the address. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to open up your mailbox and you're going to be hate mail and, and love letters. You know, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have a freaking, I'm going to be bit by a dang spider, but you ain't going to be seeing me throwing webs out of my hand. <laughs> but um, the fact is, is like, I personally, I remember, you know, despite the fact that we're on our, we're on our way to Dave's show now, he made a statement that I honestly agree with, and keep in mind, I kind of trained on and off for a year, so just being behind the scenes and talking with some of the guys and stuff like this, I'm just, you know, in my opinion, it's like, okay, I don't agree with the sentiment of, okay, you're only allowed to work for me, unless you are going to give me like an exclusivity bonus or something like that for you to deny me the chance to be more diverse and learn more diverse and have me become a better talent for you. I mean, there's only so much you can learn with working with the same group of people all the time. Right. There's going to come, you know, a learning gap or a glass ceiling, whatever the hell you want to call it. Right. You're only going to go so far. So I just don't agree with that. Like, okay, you can only work for me. You're not allowed to work here, 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 and here. I'm like, well, that's. If you got a problem that's your business, this is a business. We are not, you know, we're not gang associated. You know, this wrestling promotion is not a freaking gang. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you know, we're not Crips. And you can't tell us we can't go in blood territory. <laughs> All right? You can't tell us we're only allowed to wear blue. We can't wear red. I mean, this is, right. I just find that completely ridiculous. And by doing that, you handicap your talent because there's only so and I think unless outside of like your cult audience, your loyal audience, you know, that's just going to be there all the time because, you know, it's convenient for them or they just want to support somebody they personally know, you know, like family or something like that. I think it's ridiculous. Well, and let's, let's be honest for a second, right? And I know I'm biased and I'm sure the emails will come in later. Hey, Jay, you're always been biased. Um, there's only two places where you're really going to get recognized in Southern California. And this is no disrespect intended to anybody. But let's be real. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is on TV. They're not just in Los Angeles. They're all over the country. And they're not just available on, you know, some rinky-dink station. They're on the CW, like, network. So they're, they're being seen across the U.S. So anyone who wrestles for a championship wrestling from Hollywood is literally on TV um, pretty much everywhere in, in the United States. And the other promotion is Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Again, whether you love them or hate them, more talent is getting recognized from Pro Wrestling Gorilla than anywhere else. 
and, and it, no, they're not just wrestling exclusively with PWG. No one's under an exclusive contract, but these matches, I mean, they sent William Regal, for Christ's sake, to, their to, bola to the Bola shows to see who's there and what's happening, and, and, and Triple H has been there. I mean, it, it's not it's not an accident. PWG is literally putting on some of the best wrestling in the world. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is making their talent the most visible in the United States, you know, outside of Ring of Honor. Period. And, and to add to that, because again, we're not being biased, we're just stating facts here. The also the the key or the bonus, whatever you want to call it, for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is that they are a television product. Right. So with there, you are cutting television promos. Which means you're working on getting your cues, doing your timing, working the camera. Exactly. Especially in the ring. Right. Working a hard cam. Right. You know, which you did until you know you do not realize how difficult that stuff is. And I've talked with the wrestlers that have been there. I've trained with some of the wrestlers that have been there. And I've heard Dave talk about this himself. Um, and sometimes with some of his, you know, the past employees that when I was training would come in to, you know, help out like, um, Nigel McGinnis and Eli Drake right right off the top of my head. And they would discuss things like that about working a hard cam, working television, camera angles and stuff, cutting promos in the ring where you have to remember you're speaking into the camera to the millions of people out there in the world watching you more than the hundreds or whatever that are behind you. Right. Little things like that, which are beneficial to the big time of WWE. To an extent now, I mean, because they're still a television product. To TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it. To even Ring of Honor. I remember, um, I'm not getting off subject, but because this does wrap around. Um, Triple H talking about when Prince Devitt from New Japan was coming into NXT and he was working with him through his um, entrance and whatnot. And Devitt was like, I've never been exposed to this before because all New Japan told him was just go out and, you know, do your entrance and whatnot. He really didn't have that much of a knowledge of working a television product. So that wraps around with championship wrestling from Hollywood where there's more into it. Like PWG, you know, you could put on, you're working on putting on, high quality matches with championship wrestling from Hollywood, you're getting that training because it is a television based product. And you're I'm, getting that training and that knowledge, which is very, very important when it comes to WWE. Ask any performer that has trained at their performance center. And you've seen these WWE documentaries and stuff. I mean, they've done plenty on them involving the performance center. You've heard the past, Guest trainers talk about this type of stuff where they talk about it's not just the in-ring product. 
it is, you know, working working a mic. It is working a camera. You know, being a a, a television personality and all that. You get all that from Dave's promotion, which you really don't get, to my knowledge, from any other make. I'll make an exception for the Underground. Any other, you know, quote unquote, any promotion in SoCal because they do not have that. And and while we're talking about Performance Center, because you brought it up, you know, last night I actually wrote an article about some of the faces who were at the Performance Center, and they came right from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I mean, we're talking about Tyler Bateman, who to me is one of the best workers in Southern California. Uh, Dylan Bostic, who is a member of Pac Gray, former United Wrestling Network Tag Team Champion, featured right here at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Again, Bateman was also the TV champion for United Wrestling Network. Again, featured right here in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, even Mike Camden spent some time in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So I just, you know, just acknowledging that, look, the Performance Center seeing this, and, and I don't want to uh, say that these guys only got to the Performance Center based on their work in Championship Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. That's not the case, but it is indicative of the work that Daryl was talking about. These guys are putting in hard work, you know, learning how to work the camera, how to work the the, uh, the hard cam, how to work an audience where you're not ignoring the hard cam, and learning how to cut promos, learning how to do those taped segments that are aired on the programming. And uh, again, you know, no one's sponsored by anybody. No one's paying us to say this, but Obviously, you can see these guys are showing up in different areas based on some of the experiences they're getting in Hollywood. And um, as I mentioned earlier, another guy is Sean Rickner, Eli Drake, where we've seen him from, you know, Natural Selection. Yep. With Brian Cage back, you know, back before the guy was Wolverine. (laughs) I'm like, I remember when he had baby fat. Yeah, I remember when he was Nightwing. So, you know, um, he's a guy for which, you know, even though his it didn't he was in NXT, you know, even though it didn't work out for whatever reason it was, but you do see this guy on impact. Right. I mean, say what you want about the state of impact. I mean, I made fun of it, you know, just a couple times here. But the global champion. This guy was, you know, in a company where they had other guys, like, like I've had no problem admitting it that I've my personal favorite in that company was Lashley. Um, Lashley, another personal favorite of mine was EC3, another favorite of mine who, to me, doesn't you know get as much credit as he should or highlighted as much as he should. Eddie Edwards, yeah, you know my personal favorites, but this guy, you know. Came in, you know, part of, um, you know, Drew Galloway's crew. And just the way, just from his talking and his, you know, ability to work. And he's been in championship wrestling from Hollywood for years. I mean, come on, right next to the legendary Paul Bear. Yeah. His work, everything he's learned from there about working working a television product. Everything he was trained in NXT, working a television product, and this is a disclaimer. I have not personally heard this interview, 
but a friend of mine told me this was something he said on a podcast. Don't quote me on it, because I personally have not heard it. But after the whole Del Rio debacle, which we ain't going to get into, you know the story. Um, and they were determining the next champion. I was told from my friend, who said he listened to an interview with Drake, said that it was them knowing and watching his gauntlet battle royal from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I think it was the first red carpet rumble that he won. That they knew he could do it. And go the distance and everything like that. And that's how he got the championship. That's how they put him in that position. Because they know he can do exactly what we're doing. To determine this. And boom, there it goes. And quite frankly, for the state that Impact has been in. I think he did a damn good job as champion. I think he did too. Eh? With, the, with the tools that he had. And just the, the status of the company, hey, if everything that was in his control, he did a damn good job of. He's not responsible for what is out of his control. Right. But for what was in his control, he did a damn good job. And I'm a huge fan of Austin Aries. I love Austin Aries. And I can't wait to see what's in store for him as champion of Impact Wrestling. But you got to give Drake his due, man. He uh, took the ball and ran with it. And... Uh, like to see more of Drake in the future. Hopefully, he gets another run with that belt, gets a little bit more face time with uh, Aries, and maybe he can regain that championship down the road. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. This is kind of fun, just experimenting, see how this works. Um, if you guys like this, make sure you give us a thumbs up and, and, and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, Daryl, what's your Twitter address so you guys can follow you if they, they want to? <laughs> I'm not giving that out. All right, well, I'll give mine out. You, <laughs> this show wasn't sponsored by any wrestling promotion, but uh, because I uh, run the Alliance-Wrestling.com, I'd like for you guys to go ahead and follow the Alliance blog on uh, Twitter. You can follow me also on Twitter at first to third. It's a baseball reference. Don't try to figure it out. First to third. At, on Twitter, and then also you can get us on uh, Facebook at the Alliance Wrestling. And just visit the website Alliance Wrestling.com. That's your number one news and information source for uh, the National Wrestling Alliance and the United Wrestling Network. Um, so uh, until we have a better name for this show, this was On the Road with Daryl and Jay, and we'll see you guys next time.